Okay, this this morning we're going to read from Mark the 8th chapter and this is the story the true a true something that happened without any question about it because the word of God records it. So we know that this was something that happened factually and and also we can draw from this uh, for each of us that are in Christ. But this is Mark the 8th chapter and starting at verse 22, he came to Bethsaida and they and they bring or they brought a blind man unto him and they sought for him to touch him. Notice that they they could not do anything about the man that had didn't have any sight and neither can we and we couldn't bring ourselves we were brought we see that in in John uh in the in the uh 21st chapter in the 18th verse it's recorded there that Jesus had to bring John to himself a uh, Peter he had Jesus had to bring Peter to himself and in the same way when we're brought when he's brought us to himself and we face him then he can bring uh, he can use us to bring others to him so they brought him a blind man and sought for him to touch him and notice this it says he took the the blind man by the hand and that's always speaks of grace we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of god first peter 5 6 and then they and then he led him out of the town notice that and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him he asked him if he saw anything or how he saw really is what it says and he looked up and he said i see men as trees walking after that he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly notice I saw any man clearly and so we see here the intimacy of of Christ and how he works in individuals he will use others that have been brought to himself that he brought and he will use others to bring others to himself and he does it individually I see this the way that he's brought this out, he 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 did he did he did this very very individually, and I love what it says. And this is what God does with us. When others bring us to Christ by some measure of of Christ in in them as the Word, when He does that, and then then they are brought through us as vessels to Christ, then Jesus then takes them by the hand. This is how it works, even with the preaching and teaching of the Word. This is exactly how it works. Because it's everything that Jesus does, and everything that Jesus did is only what the Holy Spirit can take and bring into us a right experience. So, again, so what he does is, when he does that, when we've been each of us have been captured by Christ. Even in terms of our beginning of our salvation, then it says he takes us by the hand. So everything that Jesus does, he does through grace. Then it says he took him by the hand and and then it says he led him, he led him out of the town. And the way that God gave that to me 
And the way that I even wrote it down was he had to lead him. And Christ, when he leads us by grace, he leads us out of all natural surroundings and influences. That's what he does. And even in that sense, that's why Jesus said in Matthew, the 12th chapter and the 50th verse, and Luke 8, 21, down through those first few verses, where it says he cut himself off from natural family. He didn't cut himself off <clears throat> from them. He cut himself off from anything natural in them, and by bringing them, leading them by the hand of grace, he, he leads them out of all their natural surroundings. And this takes a process, and it takes tremendous patience. And, and this is what the fact is here. And then it says he put his hands on him. He, he took him out of town, and then what he did was he spit on his eyes. And this is... This is revealing that only Christ only uses that that is the substance of himself to bring sight. He's the only one that can do that. That's what Job 36, 7 says, God, God never removes his eye from the righteous. And the reason what that is, is because the substance of what Christ has accomplished, the very spit of his own eyes, is something in this healing and brand new image that Christ sees us in. This is something that he does personally. That's why it says in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 10, and in Psalm 17 and verse 8, and in Zechariah 2 and verse 8, it says he is the, we are the apple of his eye. We are the little man in Christ that he sees perfectly complete in the image that his son has made us. In. And this is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. That goes into Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, clearly and brings us to understand Philippians 2, 12 and, and verse 13. If you see those verses in only the way that the Holy Spirit, the true teacher, can bring them out to us, they're very beautiful. So in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, it says, work out your own salvation. This is what this picture is. This whole picture here of the blind man. Because we, in a sense, we were born blind naturally. We couldn't perceive anything right. We couldn't tell the difference between, and we can only touch them like this blind man. See, he could touch trees and he could touch man and, and know the difference, but he couldn't see them clearly until he got his sight restored. Until he was restored himself in a proper image. And this is what this is bringing out. And it's all a process of time and growth in grace and knowledge in Second Peter 3 and verse 18. So Philippians 2, 12 and 13, it says, God is working out in you your own salvation. Work out your own salvation with a reverence and a trembling. For it is God which works in you. And he's working in us what he's already worked out about us. For it is God which works in you both to will. This is a constant submission of our will so we see clearly. Ourselves, we see God clearly. We see ourselves and then we see others. Work out your own salvation with a reverence and a trembling. For it is God which works in you both to will, now notice this, and to do of his good pleasure. So now it's Christ doing the doing in us, in, our, in the newness of who we are. That is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10.
You and I are saved by grace. That's the first touch. We were saved by grace. And that was through faith, dependence. And even that dependence had to be taught. It was not of ourselves. Lest any man should boast. Why? Because we're his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Unto good works. Whose works? His good works. That's why all things work together for the good. To them that experience the love of God in submission. In Romans 8 and verse 28. So again, he led him out of town. He led him out of town. And that's what he has to do. He has to lead us out of all our natural surroundings. All our natural influences. All those things that did. Now, this is beautiful in the way he did this. Because he did it individually. And that's what he does individually for us. There were stages of growth Stages of growth in curing this blindness. And this is Hebrews 4 and verse 12. For the word of the Lord is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of the soul, natural living, natural influences, natural sight, natural feel and touch. You see, we may be able to know touch with natural the difference between a tree and a man. Because there's movement in both. But we won't see clearly every man the way that God sees through Christ, until we have Christ experientially. We won't, we, won't, we won't be able to differentiate. We, like the blind man, he could differentiate by touch. He could. For instance, if the man was blind, he could touch something that was square and know that it's square. And then he could touch maybe something that was round and know that it was round. But until he had sight, could he know the difference of those two? And this is what's being brought out here. And we, obviously, that's why we don't know anything and can't see thing, anything clearly without Christ in John 15, 1 to 5. The fact here is this is what he's bringing out. And he, and he brought this out in a way also but in a different way than when he healed the blind man in John the ninth chapter in verse one through five. Remember, they were, they were saying, they, were, they questioned him, what did this man do or his parents do? Was it sin that caused them to be born blind? And maybe that was in first sight, first touch, but what did God see? How did he see it? So that, so, that, so that not only this man could see the great works of him individually, but now others that could witness it. But here, it's a little bit different because the fact is here, there were two things, and this is two things that are always needful for us, where a person, an individual in Christ, has not seen at all in the measure that Christ sees, and that God the Father sees through Christ. What are the two things that are necessary? One is that faculty that we've been given of seeing. And that's what we have. We've been given this great capacity in Christ, this great faculty that we're going to be able to grow in and to perceive our own image and to perceive others that are truly already in Christ in their image, but to see others in that potential that aren't. 
So we have this faculty of seeing. But the other now is the power of applying that faculty. And there's where we need the will to be submitted and understand. Understand it. You know, a blind man can feel objects. He can. And maybe differentiate. But does he see them as they, as they really are? Does he see them as they really are? And of course, we can't see anything aright ourselves, even when we operate in the flesh. This is bringing out uh, Romans, the eighth chapter, verses one through eight. Now, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. There isn't any. When we have proper vision, when we are led by him, by pure grace, of course. And so, but we, but in the flesh, do we see clearly? No, we don't see clearly. We begin to go back to the natural, natural influences from the enemy and see that now I, you know, that because I did this particular thing, God is condemning me. And if he's condemning me, then how would I see how God would operate through to others in the flesh? And you see, this is what makes necessary the separation of the will being given over to him so that we don't function in natural uh, evil influences and, and go by natural resources and then get into God consciousness. Again, this is Hebrews, the fourth chapter and the 12th verse. So we need to have that power and that power is the Holy Spirit. It's one thing to have that capacity. Another thing, how to function in that capacity and until the will submitted does the Holy, is the Holy Spirit. That's where it says in, in Isaiah 30, verse 18, God is waiting to be gracious in growth. And he's very patient. He is so very patient with us. Now, could that man then, who's blind, would he even have the ability to measure distances or to judge with accuracy those particular objects that were before his eyes when he could only touch them. It's a big difference. There's a, there's a very big difference in it. So in order, and notice that, in order for any of us, now we know what is, who is God's order, it's Christ. But in order to estimate anything, to give it right value to any object, we have to have the habit, and this is where growth and grace and knowledge is, the habit of seeing, comparing spiritual with spiritual. This is Isaiah 28, 9 to 13. And we need to have that habit of properly seeing, properly comparing, and this is indispensable. We need this without any question about it. That brings into the reality, I can do all things through Christ. Which makes me night, which makes me mighty in Philippians four and verse thirteen, because he's my full supply, the full thought of God in Philippians four and verse nineteen. Now, we all in Christ through growth, and this is what God was teaching me the past week or so. This is from from this week, uh, from last weekend, few days into this week is what he was teaching me personally, that we all acquire this gradually. Isaiah 40 verse 11 says, he gently leads the sheep that are with young, newborn life in them. They're carrying this life, but he gently leaves them, leads them. And of course, those that he's going to raise up 
that, that God would use through Christ in them as vessels to lead others, they have to have that yoke. In Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, they have to have that yoke and learn the gentleness of Christ in themselves and how patient he's been with them to patiently lead others. But we all acquire this, this growth. We all acquire this proper sight uh, gradually in growth. And even in the natural sense, even in our natural sense of growing from baby, you know, from young, from babes in first John 2, 12 to 14, from babes to young men and, and growing up into older men and women, we, we at times, we can overlook that, even in that growth naturally, even in growth in that. So what makes it so important and so true is for us, even in the natural sense, to see it in a spiritual sense, the practice of seeing, like in our spiritual growth when we were babes, and others are babes, and they're babes, and they don't know, and they do things like we did, ignorantly, not, not knowingly, not trying to, they just do them that way because they don't know, just like we did. And they're growing up into young men and women, and that's how that's how they function at that time. So there's, a, there's this tremendous uh, practice of seeing properly in a way that that, that that person had never seen before until they receive the light that lights up their eyes to see purely. This is Psalm uh, 36 in verse 9. With you, O God, is the fountain of life. And in your light, we see light. Do you see the enemy has a light, but it's all natural. It's all earthly. It's demonic. That's in James 3 and verse 14. It's sensual. Sensual means earthly. It's natural, sensly, sens- uh, uh, sensual, natural, and, 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 and demonic. Those are natural influences, how we grew up. And we forgot in stages of growth and natural. We just act a certain way now. And through the word, the preaching of the word, God is gently separating. You know, when it says in Hebrews 4.12, the word of the Lord is, 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 is really beautiful. It's, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. The surgeon doesn't take that knife and brutally slice him when he does it so very gently and so very precisely. And this is how... He uses the, the true when the Holy Spirit has Christ in the vessel. The vessel's been submitted to Christ. Then it happens that way, very gently. And so suddenly they receive their sight. And it's something they wouldn't have been able at first to have the ability to discern. You see, and discernment comes in areas where each area of growth, each area that will has been broken and submitted and now discernment flows through. And that's, again, that's Titus 1 and verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure. To the pure, all things are pure. Then, then, not only through touch could the blind man touch different objects, but now he could see them, what they truly were. And whatever... When we are touched, when, when, 
what is of the substance of Christ, like the spit that was put on his eyes. When it's the substance of Christ that's put put upon us, now we see clearly, and when we see clearly, we see his operation clearly in others. And we don't forget that in ourselves. Because even like in our natural sense, we can forget all how we grew. We can forget that. In our spiritual sense, we can forget that in a moment. And when we do, then we function in the flesh. And we begin to see things and, and people love and people that are in Christ. And, and we begin to see them, but without the eyes of Christ working in them, never leaving them, nor forsaking them. I mean, on, on my worst days and my worst failures, he never left me nor forsook me. Never did. He just kept doing his work. And he was very patient. And this is what he's teaching. And that's what he has been teaching me personally, and this is his thoughts towards us. You know, even in even science and in understanding eyesight and healing, even in the science medical field, it, it's a process. It was a whole process. That's what, that's what he's bringing out here in the spiritual sense. There's a process of seeing properly. There's a process of going constantly to the fountain that Christ is and being able to see and light as we grow and not expecting everyone to be where we are as spiritual fathers when they are still only babes, but his, still his, and still only young people, but still his, and maybe doing things ignorantly and never meaning any harm. And even if they did, how does Christ still see them? How did he see me? How did he see others? And so, but all of this, even before science caught up with physical healing, this was even being brought out here in Mark the 8th chapter. Not only physical healing, but teaching us spiritual healing and how it comes about. Well, the blind man could touch things. And he could experience what was round and maybe what was a cube. He, he could experience it through touch, just through touch. But boy, when that man got his sight, do you think that he saw things as they truly were? Not only by touch, but by actually seeing them? By seeing them? Well, he had not yet, and neither have we, and this is what 1 Corinthians 1, 8 uh, chapter one, verses eight, eight, one, uh, chapter eight, verses one through three are teaching us. We don't know anything as we ought to. And if if we haven't been touched, if it's not yet experienced, then we don't know anything yet as we ought to. But when we are touched, when we see things clearly in our growth, then we know that He loves us, and then we know when He loves us that He loves them. That goes for the unsaved, but, but especially for those that are born again in, in, in Christ. And to see them with the sight of God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see that clearly here. He had not yet, that blind man, just through touch, had not yet experienced. You see, this is why God has, is always teaching us the enemy he goes after experience. He wants us to go back to natural touch. 
seeing things dimly, not seeing them as God sees them, not seeing myself, not seeing who I am in Christ, not seeing God properly. You know, the disciples, they said, show us, show us the Father, show us the Father. They said to Jesus, show us the Father in John 14, 8. And he said to them in 14, 9, if you've seen me, you see sight, the light of the word, the light of the scriptures, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen him. He didn't have that, he didn't have proper experience. He could only go by his touch. And this is what John 3.30 is teaching us. He must increase. This is growth. This is patience. This is, this is, it takes God time. It takes him time. Yes, the time is short. There's no question about that. But it still takes God time and the perfection of his plan. He knows what he's doing. And only he knows what he's doing in each individual. Only he does. And when I don't know that fully, one thing I do know is that he loves them deeply like he loves me. He's never going to leave them in the way that he's never left me in all my failures and all my ignorance. And so we see how ex important experience truly is. And this is why the enemy goes after it. See? But until I have proper experience, I only go by what is called these, these acquired reasonings. And those are the things, those thoughts that are natural, that were surrounded us. That's why God has to take us sometimes. He really does have to take us out of our natural surroundings, our natural influences. That's what he had to do with this this blind man. He had to take him out of the town, out of the natural places where he was brought up. He had to take him out. He had to take him right out. That's why I think it's, it, it was good. It's good when God takes people out of natural surroundings to cause them to, to be absolutely dependent upon him. To be dependent upon him so that possibly when those that God has given to them as gifts are surrounding them, when they are brought home or when they are not there, Still, they have Christ to depend upon, and this is very, very important. And God needs to differentiate the difference in us as fathers over children, as initiators over our wives, so that it's just not natural touch, but it's seeing them the way Christ has seen them, and by the way, given them, given them to us as a gift, and how to initiate properly. By, by giving them back to he who gave them to us. You know, when God gives us a gift, truly, it's truly given to us that we can truly give it back. That's why, that's why all those rewards that he gives us, those are those gifts. And we just put them back at his feet because he's worthy. He's worthy. And so here, thank God that, you know, at the first answer, the first teaching of the Word of God, we may think we understand it as it is in truth, or like we ought to, but not till hearing, and that means submission too, not only hearing, but submitting. And that takes time from what we hear till the time we submit. Let me tell you, I can tell you, in my case, that's taken so long in areas. From the time that I heard it and knew it until it became an experience, 
That's taken so long at times. So long at times, you know. And that's true with others. But until we cast down that natural reasoning, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, cast down, and an imagination is false reasonings, natural influences, and, and how we think by surroundings in our mind, we go back in the flesh and begin to know ourselves uh, after that and to know others and to treat them that way. Until that is cast down, Till that is cast down, we don't hear and submit properly. And then we're no longer, listen, we're no longer convinced, meaning we no longer are convicted. Love doesn't penetrate through the light that Christ is, the purity of who he is. And that's, when that happens, that's an amazing thing when that happens. And that's a thing that takes a lot of time. The Lord took him by the hand. And when God has got us by his grace, now he leads us. And only the grace and truth that Christ is, is the thing that truly leads us. And he leads us out of the town, natural influences, natural surroundings. Then he applied to his eyes the substance from himself. And God doesn't use anything of the flesh, nothing of the natural, only what is of himself. And he applies it to his, to his eyes, only that that came out of his mouth. That's the word that God speaks to us. That's Psalm 107 and verse 20. He sent his word. Who's the spoken word? It's Christ himself in John 1, 1. It's Christ himself, the full thought of God. That's the full thought of God. That's, that's supernatural reasoning. That's supernatural experience in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5. So he applied to his own mouth and then put his hands on him. This is showing us what an incredible servant that Jesus Christ is to us, even now, presently. This goes into his phenomenal present session, his present session at the right hand of the Father, in Romans 8 and verse 34, brought out in Psalm 110 and verse 1, brought out in Hebrews 7 and verse 25, and he appears in the presence of God for us in this mighty love, who's the purity of the light that comes out. And this is brought out in Hebrews 9 and verse 24. He appears in the, pre in the presence of God for us, and this is all part of his work, still as a servant. When I submit, to God, then the Holy Spirit can take the work of the servant of Christ and bring it into a proper experience. And that proper experience brings out the beautiful illumination of a proper image in who Christ has made me to be. And then he lights me up on the inside. In Psalm 34 and verse 5, they looked unto him and they were lit up. Oh boy. They were lit up and shining as his little stars. And, and that's what we are in the night of his physical absence. And this is brought out in 1 Corinthians 15, starting in the 40s, 43 and 44 and 45. We're his little stars that are lit up. This is everything. And he's the true servant. He's the true servant. He's the true servant. And just think, listen, for all eternity... For all eternity, Christ is going to be our servant. <laughs> he just, love, love never fails, never fades. In 1 Corinthians 13, 8, 
it, he never, ever fails us because he never fades in who he is and the purity of that light that he is as the, as the God-man in Christ. And so here we see he's the true servant right here in Mark, the eighth chapter. It's not enough that he did that work, that the task, that the work is finished. Listen, it's not enough with God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit that the work is done. But the manner, the way of doing it must be that which glorifies God and wins the heart of him who is healed. That's what he's doing with us. Just what he did here. And that's what he's doing. What do we see here? Here, We see, God wants to see how he sent his son with great consideration of each of us individually. That's what's being brought out here. It's bringing out so beautifully. Oh God, what is man that you're mindful of him? You've done all this creative work in Psalm 8, 3. All this creative work by speaking it. But what is man that you're mindful of? Oh, he says, I'll show you. I'll show you how I considered each of you. Here's my son. He's the measure of my consideration of you. Here he is. What consideration, what condescension that he would come down. That we, he would come right down to us in the midst of all our hurt, our pain, our sin, our failure. And would come down so patiently and take us by the hand and lead us out of all natural influences and all the pain and all the the sorrow that doesn't lead to godly sorrow in 2 Corinthians 7, 10, but he leads us out of all regret. All of it leads us out as he's doing to each of us. No wonder it says, mine, for you in Christ, when he, has, when he has you, when he's led you out, he's going to lead you, he's going to use you in you to lead others out. And stop, you'll never again mind high things. Romans twelve sixteen is bringing out Second uh, Corinthians 10 and verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And that's the love of God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, mind not high things in Romans 12 and 16, but condescend to men that are in this lower state and see them the way that Christ sees them. Let Christ be your only sight for you individually. And this is Hebrews 12 and verse 2. Look away from all that would distract all that natural influence, satanic, evil as it is in James 3 and verse 14. And see them purely. See all things to the pure, all things are pure. And it keeps out your conscience from being defiled and keeps you from seeing them in a defiled manner. And seeing them constantly in Christ. What, con what condescension is it? Think of the trouble that he did not consider taking each of us on. Each of us on. And he did so on the cross. He did so all through, but on the cross there as it was brought out so incredibly. What he wants us to see here is how God, through Christ, the servant, not only entered into our personal case, 
individually, but how he's carrying us and bringing us through constantly and continuously. And he's doing it in the patience of his love. In 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4, he asked him, he asked him the first time if he saw anything. After he let him out, after he let him out, he touched him. And he let him out. He said, do you see anything? I mean, basically, do you see anything properly? And you know what he said? I see men very dimly, but I see them like trees. I see them like trees. And that's God being patient with us. How do we see things? What, how, where's the value without proper sight? Where is the value of it? Where is the value in Christ and an individual once they're born again? But in every stage of their growth, is there still the value of Christ in them as a treasure? In 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Well, he had to lead him out. And he asked him that. He asked him that. But there was a reason in this process of bringing them and the dividing of the process. Because it wasn't so much the miraculous remedy, the miraculous healing. And there was that, wasn't there? But he wanted him to see the incredible effect, to actually experience the effect of it. That's what he has to do with us. When we finally, you know, that's what he did. Remember with Job, he said, oh my God, I finally see. In Job 42, in verse 5, oh, I finally see you in me. You know, now I can finally see you in them. Babes, young men, spiritual dads, I see him clearly. Because Christ is my sight. He's my image. He brought him out. He wanted him to experience the effect. And the Lord was showing an exercise of, this, of his supernatural divine power. Which at first sight doesn't seem to be any difference. Doesn't seem to be any difference at first. He didn't experience it at first, at the first touch. At the first touch he didn't. Even though he was healed at the first touch. But then he asked him to look up. The man looked up and said, he beheld men now. Before, he couldn't tell the difference in the value in that man between a tree and the man. You know, the, you think of everything that our precious Savior has created, and he's created everything. In John 1, 3 and Colossians 1 and verse 16. Everything that wasn't is. Every material thing that we Everything was created by him. And that was a marvelous work. But his greatest creation of all is Ephesians 2.10. You and I. These brand new creatures separated from the flesh in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 16. St don't know any man after the flesh. 2 Corinthians 5.16 Behold, no. Old things are not in the process of passing away. The growth is the process, but the reality is they're already passed away. Babe, young man, spiritual dad. 
Oh, spiritual dad, oh, older person, oh, how you need this touch. So you can see the young men and women and the young babes in the purity of how Christ is in them already. How they're the apple of God's eye in Christ and see that. But yet, he could not make that distinguished difference. All was vague before him. You know, that's knowing the scriptures, vaguely still. And that's, again, 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3. We don't know anything as we ought, but we're growing. That's what 1 Corinthians 13, 12 is teaching again. For now, we see through a glass darkly, dimly. And we're growing in grace in 2 Peter 3, and 8, verse 18. And so are they. So are they. Just as much. It's just as much grace that's causing us to grow in each stage of our growth as it is in the beginning stages. It takes that amount of grace. All was vague until, until. And you know, we have, we have what we think is, is the value of thinking how we know how certain things are. We thought we knew. We thought we knew what was doing right. We thought we were going to do something that was of God. And did I see it clearly? Did they? No, maybe not. Because they thought they had enough to know. That they thought they had enough to know. They thought they had enough of the mental powers of understanding because they had a trained intelligence that wasn't the resource of Christ. Because of growth, just simply because of growth. And they didn't, they didn't yet grow in that process of being able to distinguish between seeing things properly and then seeing them still in the ignorance of the flesh and seeing things vaguely and doing things in a way not meaning any harm, but just not knowing any difference yet because of growth. Until... They require, like us, like any of us, a gradual education. It's gradual. It's a transitional stage. From seeing things vaguely into seeing them, looking up and seeing Christ, and then seeing men no longer as trees, but seeing them in the value that Christ sees them. There's so much that we can get into this morning. There's so much more than I could even have the ability, that I even have the ability in the time that God has given us. And that's why I believe this has to go, and I still want this on, but I still believe we have to go into Thursday with this, because I believe if God has that, because there's just so much here. There's so much here. This transitional stage and what it, what it illustrates is man's sight of seeing men as trees, but not as how God sees them in Christ's potential. And everything is the potential that God sees each of us that are truly in Christ is growth, is growth. And how in his, this man in his blind state, the, in his blindness, he could discern by his touch between a tree and a man, but could he see them as they truly were? He can only touch them. And this is what we do when we rely on the flesh. 
That's what we do. We don't see them as Christ sees them because we're just touching and that's flesh. Because he had not yet learned, and this is what we're learning, our newborn vision. And our newborn vision is the image that Christ has made us in, that we see ourselves clearly the way God sees us through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that we see them, that we see them that way. Because that blind man, still, do you ever think in your circumstances and situations why God has you in certain circumstances and situations in certain places and it seems to be all confusion? It doesn't make any sense. And I'll tell you why. Because that's the area where we're relying on natural resources and natural influences. And they get in the way of seeing things properly. All is confusion. You know, God is not the author of confusion in 1 Corinthians 14.33, but he is the author. Christ is our leader. That's Hebrews 12.3. He's leading us. He's our, our beginning, our leader, and our ending leader. He, lead us, he led us in salvation, and he has to lead us all through growth by the power of the Holy Spirit. He has to do that. Because in the confusion, there is the natural ability to have no kind of understanding, no skill in using with clearness that faculty that God has given us. We don't see it clearly. We function outside of his order, the order of his mind in 1 Corinthians 14, 40. You know, God is not the author of confusion, but of life. When I function in life, do I have peace? Yep. Is there any confusion in the peace that Christ is in me and I in him? Ephesians 2, 14? No. That's why prayer brings out and teaches dependence. You see, the peace of, of the love of resting in Christ, it keeps out all the swirl of that hurricane from entering into the calm. And the calm there is the very eye of how God sees us in Christ. That's Job 36 and verse 7. That's the little man, the man of, of proper vision through Christ. And that's Deuteronomy again, 32.10. Psalm 17, 8, and Zechariah 2 and verse 8. So as we wrap this up this morning, there's so much more here. There's so much more. But he, he put his hands again upon his eyes and he made him look up. Do you see that? That's the will submitted. We can't do anything. I see things vaguely. I've seen things, people wrongly, Father. I've seen them wrong. Okay. And when, you, when he made my will submit, then I could look up. And then I become restored. And now when that happens, I see every man clearly as God sees them. Especially, number one, those that are in Christ, whatever stage of growth they're in. And again, in, in 1 John 2, 12 to 14. But then potentially in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, 19, and 20, as his ambassador, the potential for every other one that's unsaved and not in Christ. Everything that God does through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, he does well. He himself. And he does it in the truth, in the clearness of his truth, that he so beautifully lights us up and illustrates it in us. He does all things well. He does them all. And he does it with us with unfailing energy. And that unfailing energy is his love. And without his love, 
energy fails in me to go forward and I go right back in the flesh to natural influences, natural surroundings, and then I perceive things that way. But the blind man, like us in our growth, we're made to see. And even with the sight that we have, we need to continually depend upon him. And this is prayer. It's keep teaching us to depend upon him, to rightly discern and to rightly understand the way that the Holy Spirit in a prayer life of dependence will take the word and be able to minister to us in a right way with proper sight. And then for us to give it that way as a vessel. And Father, we thank you this morning for this, for this word that you've given us, the counsel. And I just look forward to more of what you're going to give us. In Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says, without a vision, and that's proper sight, proper image, without a vision, the people perish. And what the word perish means in the Hebrew is they cast off, they cast off restraint. They cast off a proper image. They forget who they are in Christ. This is John 1, uh, James 1, 21 to 26 to 25 and down through. We forget. We look into the perfect law of liberty through the word, but we go away and forget and natural influence takes over. Father, we thank you for everything that you've done, given us this new born vision, this newborn image that you've given us so that we can see in Ephesians 5 and verse 15, we'll bring this out. I believe you'll bring it out to us Thursday, circumspectly, so that we don't act as fools. And a fool in Proverbs 18, 1 and 2, and a fool here in Ephesians 5 and verse 15 is one who goes back to natural influences natural surroundings they go back but you never leave them nor forsake them and father thank you for your your loving touch and your loving counsel in jesus name amen